chapter thirty two of beyond these voices this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org beyond these voices by mary elizabeth braddon chapter thirty two father cyprian hammond sat alone in the winter gloaming after a hard day's work in his parish which was a large one covering several of those obscure little slums that lie hidden behind handsome streets in northwestern london the table had been cleared after his short and simple dinner and he was half reclining in his deep arm-chair while sabatier's life of st francis of assisi lay open on the table under the candles that made only a spot of light in the lofty room it was one of the books which he opened often on an evening of fatigue and depression the life or the fioretti were books that rested his brain and soothed his spirits he lay back in his chair with his eyes closed not asleep but resting and listening with a kind of sensuous pleasure to the light fall of wood ashes on the hearth his winter fire of old ship logs was one of the few luxuries he allowed himself i told you i would see no one to-night he said as his servant came into the room it is mr rutherford father only just back from italy he said he was sure you would see him very good i will see mr rutherford you can light the lamp come in claude he called to the figure standing outside the door claude came into the room while the servant lighted a standard lamp of considerable power that shone full upon a face from which all natural carnation had changed to an ashen greyness the face of a man in the last stage of a bad illness you look dead beat said the priest as they clasped hands you have been travelling night and day i suppose i came straight from her grave from their grave she lies in the cemetery at san marco beside her husband and his daughter the girl who loved her and whose love brought those two together it was her wish i conclude there was a letter found a letter written half a year ago at the beginning of her illness in which she begged that i would lay her there in his grave nowhere else it was he that she loved best always always her real her only perfect love was for him may that absolve her of her sins i would have done much striven long and late to bring her into the fold if she would have let me but she would not well she shall not want for an intercessor while i live and pray and then looking up at his visitor who stood before him a tragical figure in the bright hard light of the lamp his face haggard and wan against the rich darkness of his sable collar sit down claude he said gently in a tone of ineffable compassion the voice that day by day had spoken to sorrow and to sin i see you have come to tell me your troubles take off that heavy coat and draw your chair to the fire and open your heart to me unless indeed you will come to my confessional to-morrow and let me hear you there i would much rather you did that selon les règles 
no be kind father and let me talk to you here i will keep nothing back this time there shall be no more secrets no surprises i have come to the end of my book she is dead and i have nothing left to care about nothing left to hide there is not a joy this world can offer a man for which i would hold up a finger now she is gone what do you want me to do for you what you did for me six years ago open the gate of a refuge where a sinner may hide the remnant of a worthless life where i may spend the last dregs in the cup drop by drop where i may die day by day on my knees in penitential prayer i opened that gate you were safe in such a refuge and you broke out again and came back to the world twenty times worse than you were before the life you have been leading since you married provana's widow is about the most worthless the most abject life that a reasonable being could lead the life of empty pleasure of sensuality and self-indulgence a life that debases the man himself and corrupts and ruins his associates i had to forget if all that the world calls pleasure could have been distilled into one little drug that would have blotted out remembrance i should have wanted no more race-horses no more racing yachts no more flying machines no more cards or dice only that one little drug father when i stood before you six years ago in this room a miserable wretch i had to keep my secret for her sake i have nothing to hide now it was i who killed mario provana i knew you knew yes i knew that night as much as i know now i knew the guilt you wanted to hide in a cloister i knew your sin and your remorse but i doubted your perseverance a doubt that was too speedily justified by the event it was the fatal course my mother took she brought vera to the place where i thought that i and my sin were buried i did not yield without a struggle in long days of depression in long nights of fever i wrestled with satan for my soul i called upon my manhood my honour my will-power i even thought that i had conquered and then in an instant my passionate heart gave way and i walked out of that house of rest a fallen spirit but oh the rapture of the moment when i held her in my arms and told her that i renounced all the hope of heaven the certainty of peace for her love oh the pity of it my unhappy claude you ask me no questions father to what end you are not in the confessional there may be details that would in some degree mitigate your guilt but murder is a heinous sin and i fear in your case it had been led up to by guilt almost as dark the spoiling of a pure woman's soul if the murder was not deliberate you cannot urge the same excuse for the sin of seduction that sin which includes every abomination hypocrisy the falsehood that betrays a trusting fellow-creature the calculating cruelty that sets a man's strength of will against a woman's yielding love 
no 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 father have you forgotten those two lost souls dante saw driven through the malignant air they who had stained the earth with blood sorrow and sin had been theirs but francesca's lover was not a deliberate seducer and even in that world of pain the love that linked those two who never could be parted more was no base or selfish passion no man ever fought a harder battle than i fought for her sake i loved her when we were boy and girl together when she was a child a lovely innocent child who gave me her heart in that happy morning of life who had been shut out from all the affection that makes childhood beautiful the caresses the praise of an adoring mother the love of father brothers sisters she had known nothing better than the tepid kindness of a peevish old woman and she gave her heart to me in the first joyous days of her life i taught her what youth and happiness meant and that springtime of our lives was never forgotten vera was the romance of my boyhood i carried her image in my heart for all the years in which we were strangers and when fate brought us together again our hearts went out to each other as if the years had never parted us as if she had been still as unconscious of passion as the child who clambered on my knee and flung her arms round my neck on the rocks at disbrow but with a certain difference said the priest she was mario provana's wife i did not forget that i told myself that i need never forget it she was the centre of a selfish clan who meant to run her for all she was worth i knew to what account the disbrows would turn a millionaire cousin and i took upon myself to stand between her and a herd of cold-hearted relations who only valued her as a counter in the social game except susan amphlett who is a fool and lady oakhampton who is not much wiser there was not one of the crew that had a spark of real regard for her and you thought your affection was pure enough to save her from all the pitfalls of society i thought that i was strong enough to take a brother's place i had lived my life i had been a failure i had sinned and paid forfeit for my sin i thought i had done with passionate feeling and that i could trust myself as fully as vera trusted me in her absolute unconsciousness of danger i was deceived the fire still burned in the grey ashes of a wasted life and the time came when it burst into flame and consumed us you were with her that night when provana came home unexpectedly i was with her no matter how that came about the die had been cast weeks before when she and i were at the oakhampton's river villa we were alone there as if we had been in a wood and our secret was told and our promise was exchanged nothing was to matter any more in our lives except our love we were to go to the other side of the world and cruise about in the south seas till we found an island as stevenson did a paradise of love and peace to end our days in the yacht was waiting for us at plymouth manned and found for 
an ocean voyage almost as fine a vessel as the gloriana we were to start by an early train that morning i wrung a promise from her at lady fulham's ball and we met a few hours earlier than we had intended and he found you together and you killed him it was her life or his we faced each other at the door of his dressing-room the other door was open and the lights were on i saw death in his face as he stood for a moment looking into her room the white dumb rage that means bloodshed he gave me only one contemptuous glance as he dashed past me to the desk where his pistol case was ready for him he had the pistol in his hand and had cocked it in what had seemed an instant and was on his way to her room while i snatched the second pistol from the case for me he could bide his time for her doom was to be swift i think i read him right even in those fierce moments his fury was measured by the love he had given her his foot was on the threshold when i fired i could hear her stifled sobs as she lay on the floor where she had fallen at the sound of his footsteps on the landing half unconscious in her agony of shame she told me afterwards that strange lights were in her eyes a roar of waters in her ears she was lying in a world of red light well what do you want of me now open the door of my cell the benedictines the carthusians la trappe in france or spain any order where the rule is iron and where my days will be short i have lived the sinner's life and it has not brought me happiness let me live the saint's life and see if it can bring me peace i am not a much blacker sinner than some of the fathers of your church who wear the aureole let the rest of my life be one long act of expiation one dark night of penitential prayer my dear claude my son all shall be done for you the path of peace shall be made smooth but this time there must be no turning back to what should i come back the light of my life has gone out epilogue a month later when christmas was over and the people who had done with their guns and did not mean hunting were making a little season in london on their way to egypt or the riviera lady susan amphlett as chorus was in her best form at cosy dinners now will you believe that claude rutherford was a devoted husband and that he broke his heart when his wife died she asked triumphantly i believe that he was nearly as much of a crank as his pretty wife she was a disciple of francis simeon and he was under father hammond's thumb the dark room in the albany or a cell in la trappe there is not much difference from a racing stable to a cloister is a bit of a leap in the dark claude was always a bold rider i have seen him skylarking over a hedge on his way home without knowing where he was to land i think he is rather lucky to land in a cloister said the lady who had refused to tell people her theory of the provana murder but i wonder what they think of it all 
in scotland yard end of chapter thirty two end of beyond the voices by mary elizabeth braddon